0: COVID has kind of been a blessing and like a curse at the same time because of the quarantine I've been able to really just like focus on myself and focus on the diagnosis but I don't know because it's like I'm going to be living with diabetes for like four months like in like a little bubble and then all of a sudden that bubble's going to pop. I don't know it's going to be interesting for sure.
1: Oh, hi. Thanks so much for tuning in. I'm Walt Drennan, and you're listening to Ask Me About My Type 1, the Q&A podcast all about type 1 diabetes. Hey, type 1s and nuns. I hope you all are staying safe and keeping healthy wherever you're listening to this from. So the Connected in Motion virtual slipstream was this past weekend, and it was a lot more slipstreamy than I thought it was going to be. I thought since it was all going to be on Zoom this time around, That it would lose that type one camp magic that i'm always talking about but it definitely held up and i am really glad that i got to be a part of it my workshop went well i think i was very nervous and definitely rambled on in a few places where i swore i wouldn't but i made it through and i felt like i was able to say what i needed to say so i'm marking it down as a win thank you again to all of you who were able to make it and to my volunteer guests who helped me by sharing their stories The Connected Motion team was able to record the audio for me, so I will definitely be releasing that as an episode in the next couple weeks. So if you weren't able to attend the real thing, first off, rude, but regardless, you'll be able to listen to it for yourselves very, very soon. But as for this week's podcast, it's a crazy interesting one because my type 1 guest this week was only diagnosed just shy of two months ago. That's right. In the middle of the friggin' COVID-19 pandemic. But when you really think about it, thousands of people are diagnosed with type 1 every day, whether the world is amidst the pandemic-level crisis or not. Because while the world may stop for COVID, type 1 certainly doesn't. So this week, I have on Marissa and her boyfriend Charlie to tell us about their experiences navigating Marissa's newly diagnosed type 1 while under quarantine and in the shadow of the COVID-19 pandemic. I was really impressed with Marissa's attitude about her diagnosis, and I'm so glad she agreed to come on the show, because I know she isn't the only newly diagnosed type 1 out there going through this right now. Type 1 is really scary on its own, and adding to that a literal pandemic event, it's a lot for any one person to take. But Marissa's here to tell us how she's doing it, and hopefully this episode finds its way to all the other new type 1s, so that they know they aren't alone in this. No new five star reviews from iTunes to read this week, but if you're looking for ways to support the show, you can rate, review, and subscribe to Ask Me About My Type 1 wherever you're listening to this podcast. Ratings and reviews help so much, especially in iTunes, because it gets the show climbing up the charts. You can share episodes with your friends or on social media. You can follow the Ask Me About My Type 1 Instagram page at Ask Me About My Type 1 or visit the podcast website, askmeaboutmyt1.com, to learn more about the show and even ask about being a guest on a future episode. All right, everybody. That's it for me. Thank you all again so much for tuning in. Now here's the episode. All right. Hi. Thank you both for joining me today.
0: Of course. Yeah. No problem. You for me.
1: Marissa, your story is really interesting and I really wanted people to hear it, I think, especially in this time. So let's start with introductions. So and on. Ask me about my type 1. Type 1s always go first because that's just the way numbers work. Let's start with you. So tell us about yourself, where you are, what you're doing, how long you've had your type 1 and a little and your diagnosis story. Let's start with that.
0: So my name is Marissa. I'm 21 years old. I just graduated from college um, about a month ago, but I'll be going back in the fall to study occupational therapy in graduate school. So I've been diagnosed just under two months now. It'll be two months on June 8th. So I haven't really been at this for too long, so I'm learning as I'm going still. Uh, Every day I'm, like, learning something new. But um, my diagnosis story is, like, kind of simple compared to, like, the crazy stories that I've been hearing. I was an athlete in college, so my endocrinologist thinks that being, like, an athlete definitely, like, made it so that I wasn't really having symptoms, but that I was probably, you know, experiencing like hyperglycemia maybe for like upward of a year. I was experiencing kind of just like the basic symptoms, you know, like drinking like 20 bottles of water a day, just taking crazy amount of naps, which is not really me because I'm pretty active. Yeah. And then eventually I just started like Googling like all these symptoms and everything that came up was like, oh, like probably have diabetes. You probably have diabetes. And I'm like, no, like, there's no way I can have diabetes. And then all of a sudden, I started getting these like crazy trolley horses in my leg. And I looked that up. And it was like, Oh, like, diabetes. And I was like, Okay, if trolley horses lead to diabetes, then I probably need to get get checked out. So I did. And my numbers were 350, which isn't really too high. But I'm assuming they were pretty wild after eating all the sweets I was eating, because I would like, Eat like an entire box of vanilla wafers in one sitting, <laughs> but yeah. So then I've just kind of been learning the ropes as I go, really.
1: Yeah, and I think the crazier part of your story, like like you said, your diagnosis is pretty standard. It sounds like a lot of stories that I've heard, at least. But it's happened. It, all of this happened in the backdrop, or with the backdrop of COVID nineteen happening. So I guess you probably can't really compare it to anything else because you've only been diagnosed yeah. once. We all only get diagnosed yeah. once. But how did that color that? Was there any kind of apprehension going to the hospital? Like where did how did it happen with everything going on and the precautions people are taking due to COVID-19?
0: So when I started experiencing like all my symptoms, uh, I remember like telling my parents, you know, like something's not right. And we kind of just kept delaying going to go get my blood work done because of, you know, COVID. And we were, we didn't really like, it was kind of like we were all in denial and we just thought, you know, it's not, it's nothing really to worry about. So let's not, you know, put ourselves in like harm's way if we don't really need to so it definitely like put a little bit of delay on me even going to just go get blood work. Then meeting with an endocrinologist was definitely tough because no one's really seeing people. But um luckily I have a pretty um hard head of a mom who did some <laughs> um, who did some um calling and got me actually to go into an office which I was really happy about because I knew that I had a million questions after my diagnosis, and I wasn't gonna feel comfortable doing them all over, like you know, Zoom. So I definitely lucked out in that sense. But uh, afterwards, it's just kind of been weird because I can't really like go talk to my dietitian. Like we're doing everything like over, you know, FaceTime, and I feel like everything's always just so rushed. But it's weird for sure.
1: Yeah, and I guess you don't really have anything to compare it to. So this is a yeah. really strange environment and time to be diagnosed and I'm assuming that you're not the only person being diagnosed in these next in these last few months everybody there's tons of people that get diagnosed every day and it's a story that I think people should hear during these times and it's you know good for people to know what these new type ones that are kind of being introduced to the community during this time should know about so I'm really glad you're here thank you for sharing this and now Charles you're type none
2: Yep. Where do you
1: fall into Marissa's story? So like Charles, what are you doing now? Where are you? How do you know Marissa? And then how did you meet Marissa's type one? Like where when did you figure find out that she had that?
2: Yeah. So I went to the Hill School in Pottstown, Pennsylvania. It's a boarding school, so that's where we met. We both played hockey and we ended up going relatively close to the same college, thirty minutes away. Stay together. We've been together for over five years. So we've just been quarantined and We've we've been seeing symptoms since, like, I think October or November or even before that. And they weren't as bad as uh, the past couple months, uh, like since January, when she was just drinking a lot, going to the bathroom a lot, all that kind of stuff. And then so we were quarantined and we were together because we were were doing some work together. And then she got her blood work done while we were together. So we were we were in the house together while she got the call. I was the only one there. So that was tough.
0: (laughs) Yes, you never, like,
2: get it. <laughs> yeah, she cried a lot. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I mean, that's a that's a reaction that I was expecting when she got the news. So just trying to be supportive through this.
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely.
2: Yeah,
1: that's definitely not an uncommon response, especially for people that yeah. are older. Like, Because, yeah. you know, for the longest time, type one specifically was seen yeah. as a juvenile conditions. Like yeah. that's what JDRF stands for, Juvenile Diabetes yeah. Yeah. Research Fund. And so when people are hit with it, you know, later in life, so like in their 20s, yeah. 30s, 40s, even I've met people that were diagnosed in their 70s. Like these are big life changes that happen with not a whole lot of support, I guess you could say for adults yeah. especially. So the kind of medical care that people get when they're over 18 is very different from when I yeah. was diagnosed when I was 12. Definitely. And so there's a lot more handholding I think for, with children especially and then when you're an adult basically like in the eyes of the law it it varies a lot there's a lot of variability with that some people have amazing care teams and they have they love their type one like they love being diagnosed and they they have a very different perspective on it but sounds like marissa has that to deal with but also you know our current state of pandemic you know proportions here in the the globe and not just in the us yeah so i guess marissa what was your when you finally got that like diagnosis over the phone what was that like like you explained that Charles said that you cried, but like what was that like? <laughs> and then what it because you, you said before that when you were researching and you found like all the signs pointed to type one or diabetes, like you said. So what did it mean to hear like you have type one? Where were, where was your head at? And like what did that mean? And how did they introduce you to it?
0: So I've been like an athlete like my whole life since I was like six. And I was there was like, I think maybe my symptoms had a little bit to do with it, but like this past year was so like emotionally and physically like just tiring. So I was so excited to be done with my sport and go into grad school, you know, like being carefree, being able to, you know, just focus on my schoolwork, hang out with like friends on the weekends, not worrying about having to like travel and everything. So I was so excited just to honestly like live my twenties and be, um, like, a teenager that I haven't been able to um, do, like, honestly, for my whole life because of a sport. So when I found out I was type one, I was, like, great, just another barrier, like, thrown into my way. Um, It's, like, I get rid of one thing, and here's just another. So it was definitely upsetting in that sense because I had, like, literally, like, a week between finding out and, like, coming home from, like, spring break to like be free (laughs) basically and then this was thrown so I was definitely like very upset I'm still like coping with it because like right now like I'm not really doing anything besides like sitting here so I don't really know how my type one is going to fit into you know doing all the things I want to do because we can't do them right now because we're all stuck inside (laughs) but yeah like it was definitely a bad surprise to get
1: (laughs) I can see that definitely. It's funny how you, you refer to it as kind of like a sport, like an activity that takes a lot of time and dedication. Um, and that's what type one is. It's a lot of management, like you have to keep your eye on it for the rest of our lives, at least, Yeah. Uh, at least for as of right now. And yeah, that is a crazy thing to get hit with right when you're, you know, about to start your life or what you thought your life was going to be. And I guess what asking me about my type one is all about the questions surrounding type one. And it's like, what are the questions that both of you have been having throughout this, these first, you know, two months? Um, Um. Charles, I'll start (laughs) with you. Oh, usually this this show is about letting type one type nuns ask the questions to their of their type ones. But since Marissa is so new to it, you guys probably have similar questions because, again, this is completely brand new and added COVID-19 is kind of putting a wrench into it. Your experience is very different from other people diagnosed in their 20s because you don't have the same resources that we all had or they all had um, at that time. So, Charles, what are the these kind of first questions that you've been coming up with and have you found answers or are you still looking for those answers or what's going on?
2: Yeah, so there's just questions every day like we we both have them. So um we're we're with each other like for two weeks at a time, then we go away for three weeks. So it's hard getting those questions when I'm not there and she's she's just at home doing her stuff. But I think like what I'm trying to do now is just like support her and try to stay positive and all this. I just don't know like for you what what would you want your support system to do for you like when you were going through this? I guess there's anything more.
1: Yeah, it's kind of hard to to think about because, like I said, I was diagnosed when I was 12. So my parents kind of took on the yeah. brunt of the care yeah. for those first five years. Then I went to college. And so I've been doing it on my own for the most part for the past 15. Um, yeah. So my support system is pretty, it's more um, within the type one community, I would say. And it's not even yeah. so much like they need to watch out for me or take care of me. It's more like those emotional things, I would say, more so than yeah. anything else. So, yeah, support for people 20 years in like me is going to be look very different than two yeah. months in like marissa and yeah. so i get it depends so it's very i would say long answer short it's very specific to marissa so more, what marissa yeah. needs is what marissa is going to need so i think keeping that line of communication open and i think giving both of your both yourself and marissa honesty and patience like being honest with yourself like i don't understand what's going on please explain this to me the way you see it and then just being patient like type one is a lifelong condition that is going to take you know a long time to get used to like i'm 20 years in and i'm still kind of learning things every day sort of thing so i think honesty and patience is something that type ones don't give themselves enough of and the people around them don't give themselves enough of and vice versa yeah And I,
2: I, yeah i feel that way with uh with marissa sometimes i just feel like when you're on the outside looking in it's easy to say like be patient and be like okay with what's happening but like i understand like when you're when she first got diagnosed they tell her to be like between like 80 and 100 like be perfect and then she gets to like 120 and she's like freaking out and i'm like i'm like oh that's not that bad but like to her it's new and it's scary and like
1: yeah the range being in range is very different for everybody i think people yes. have their preferred rate 80 and 100 is a very tight range i'm surprised they told you to like stick to that because that's be that's like, ba- <laughs> that's basically type type none numbers like yeah. that's, <laughs> so those are the numbers that you would you would have ha- if you had like a fully functioning pancreas and body
2: Yeah,
1: 100 is a very tight number to keep to so i i can tell you to be like it's not it's not terrible to be, you know, 120, 130, 150. 150 is kind of where I like to sit. But again, that's up to you. That's your personal yeah. choice. You can definitely I'm I'm not a doctor so I don't want to tell you to like, oh yeah, definitely go, you know, 200 is fine, whatever. But it's definitely a very tight range. So I think you can talk to your endocrinologist tell see if they would suggest that those that's a very tight range so i don't know then yeah, yeah. there are people that stay within that and feel comfortable with that but again it's it'll be very maddening i would assume just because
0: yeah it's hard yeah. to strive for, for it's sure. very hard
1: yeah. like goal to hit every day yeah. for the rest of your life so like yeah. you'll find like the numbers that you feel comfortable with you might be able to like so my low number is actually 80 so i don't like to go below that i don't know if you can hear my come going off
0: yeah i can i was wondering <laughs> yeah. if that was
1: so that's me um but yeah and that's why i'm drinking juice at the moment but yeah so <laughs> it is it's definitely and sometimes 80 is a little bit high, like high for, it's it's a bit higher on the low mark just because i don't want to go low so i try to address it before it gets to that point so my high range is actually in two up at the 250s um just because that's something that i can be okay with i'm pretty much below that a lot of the time but again it's like it's a number that i think it doesn't. It allows me to have those like random spikes that might go up in like the 180s and 190s because like you know f- that's what food does. Um, yeah. But again, it's it's something that you'll have to figure out on your own and f- figure out what fits. But it, I can understand that like when the doctor is telling you to stay between 180,
2: that's like being perfect.
1: That's like yeah, that, that is being perfect, and it's something that you want to strive for because the doctor told you to do it. Like why would they tell you anything that isn't right? Um, mm-hmm. But I think if you like search like you know you're on Instagram right now with a type one account that no, I've That's how I found you. And I think you'll find that people rarely stay within that. And that's a very tight range. Again, people can do it and have done it and feel good doing it, but it's something that you'll have to figure out on your own. But
0: yeah, for it, sure. Like I, I kind of, am a little bit of a perfectionist. So when they like told me that I <laughs> was really like trying to keep my like numbers, like pretty tight. And then as soon as I like created like my Instagram account and then I got to, like, really, like, see what everyone was posting. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know, like, go have the chicken fingers if you want. Like, it's okay if you go high. Because um, in the beginning, like, I was, like, really beating myself up. But
2: yeah, I'm
0: getting better at that. Like, learning that, like, it's – like, my numbers aren't going to be, like, a normal person. Like, it's not to be, like, a type none. Like, they're going to go high, and that's okay. Yeah.
1: yeah, that's what diabetes is. It's the body's inability to control or regulate blood sugar. Yeah. And it's something that I think we all have to get to – understand at a certain point that we're not going to be able to keep those you know 80 to 100 numbers like we used to and some people have a harder time acknowledging that and like accepting that um some of us and they you know try to beat themselves up about it and keep within that range and it kind of it catches up with them at the end i think or towards whenever they make that realization that they can have those you know spikes every now and again um but it's also i don't know if your medical team told you that that would be difficult to heart to keep to because medical professionals sometimes don't really understand that those numbers mean something they're actually it takes work to reach those numbers and they can probably they probably just said like oh yeah keep it between 80 and 100 and you'll be fine but keep doing the work to keep that range is very difficult and they might not realize that yeah and um so what are the questions that you've been coming up with and where have you been finding most of your answers would you think
0: so a lot of my questions have just been like honestly like nutrition based and you can find like a lot of help on like social media just being able to find you know like dietitians or just like fellow like type ones just because I've been like an athlete but I will be honest like I don't know how any food affects the body whatsoever <laughs> Um, I just could always just eat whatever I wanted and not really care about it so Just, like, learning, like, you know, what a carb does, what fats do to you, like, what fiber does, like, that's why, main reason why I created my Instagram account, at least. Because, like, your like, your entire world, like, honestly, like, revolves around food now, which is, like, so Mm -hmm. sad, but it it does. So, just, like, finding answers to those kind of questions.
1: And what was your relationship with food before that? Like, I'm guessing you're an athlete, so you probably ate pretty regularly (laughs) and a lot just to, like, keep up with your yeah, activity I, w-
0: I never really ate healthy <laughs> which is so bad I bet I would have been an even better athlete if I did but no I would I'd eat all the sugar in the world and I do not really care about it too much so now that I have to care I'm you know just trying to find out as much as I can like I spend like my mom thinks this is really bad and I probably agree with her but I spend like every waking moment just like doing research but I'd rather like get a handle on it as best as I can so that's just what I've been trying to do.
1: Yeah, definitely. And again, you're an adult, so you have access to these things that yeah. I didn't at 12 years old. The internet wasn't as big as it is now. It like, And my, again, my parents took most of the brunt of the management. So it is a very different environment that you're being introduced to type 1 in. And it can definitely affect the way you see it, the way you react to it. And the resources that you have are very limited too just because again we can't really go outside at the moment your medical team is probably you're look, talking to them in from a computer screen not like face to face so i think those those very subtle differences can make a really big impact uh, but it sounds like you're trying to manage them as best you can which is what we're all doing really yeah but in terms of your management what are you like how are you managing your type one what do you use do you are you on a pump are you doing like um blood checks uh do you have a continuous glucose monitor like what does that look like and how did you introduce how did you settle (laughs) there you go how did you settle on your management style after in within these two two months
0: so when i was first diagnosed the first thing i heard about was like oh like don't worry like once you go on the pump like it's all going to be so much like easier like it's going to be like fine And I just remember that aggravating me so much because one, I'm a girl. Second, I'm a girl who's 21. So wanting like anything permanently on my body was just like a lot for me to like think about right away. And I remember swearing up and down I would not go on a CGM and I would not go on a pump. It took me like probably like two weeks before I went right on the Libre. And now I have the Dexcom G6, which I'm actually is, like, a lifesaver, like, <laughs> I don't know why, like, I never went to go on it, but I'm so happy I did, I'm still doing injections, although I did, like, a ton of research on pumps, and I got to talking to a lot of girls my age, um, who have, you know, either, like, the Omnipod or the T-Slim, so I am thinking about switching to the Omnipod if my insurance, um, covers it across my fingers, but yeah, so maybe leaning towards the pump, possibly staying with injections not really sure yet
1: yeah it's actually kind of hearing you talk about it it seems like really quickly to be doing all these things because again like i said i i've had my type 1 for 20 years i only started using the cgm in november this past november oh wow Um, and it took me 10 years to go on the pump um so like that was almost 11 years ago now, so I chose the Omnipod specifically because it was something that I could hide better than anything else, like the tubing pumps, like they had, I had no interest in those, because again, like you have this giant tube, the thing can get snagged on stuff, I didn't want anybody knowing about my Type 1, so I went with the Omnipod specifically because I could hide it better. I don't think that that was their like big marketing pitch back then, but I'm still on it. So it ended up working out for me really well. It's something I ended up getting really into cycling. So that helps. I don't have to worry about tubing. So it's just a lot more manageable and it's the only pump I've ever been on. So I think it's just, it just worked out for me, but I would say, or I would just like remind you that you do have options and you can switch throughout. I've had, I've known people that have been on pumps for a long time and then they always for whatever reason, they chose to go back to injections. And it's something that they can do and something that they felt that they needed to do just because they didn't want to have that thing on them anymore. And yeah. like like you said, like you're 21, you want to wear certain things and sometimes pumps can get in the way of that. And, you know, it's it's whatever you want your life to look like is the pump or the, you know, management style that you should go for, I would suggest at least. But that's really cool that you've decided to use a CGM because a CGM does help a lot. It is a little bit more convenient than having to stick your finger for I did it for, you know, 19 years, 18 years. And, uh, you know, I did fine with it. But again, having that kind of constant number is a little bit helpful is more helpful than I would say. So yeah, it's been helping me out. I like it. And it's keep helping me keep in a tighter range, I would say. So yeah, so whatever works for you. And definitely, I think I would just remind you that you can change like these things don't have to be permanent. Um, Yeah, you do have those options available to you if you again if your insurance covers it
0: yeah which hopefully is we, which is
1: what we have to think about in the US um yes. so charles how what's what's it been like watching her go through all these things like do, were you there for her first cgm uh, like yeah. insertion oh, like yeah. for the blood tests like what what were you doing from the outside looking in like wh- what it's been like for you watching her doing all these management things
2: a lot of crying <laughs> it was just, it was just a lot of crying and such a um, No, it's I was there for uh, the Libre when she put that on. Um, I don't think I could ever be a diabetic. I'd be too scared to do that kind of stuff. I hate needles. So, like, I'm very proud of her for doing that. But, uh, yeah, I've been here for the Libre, Dexcom, the Dexcom changes, the Libre changes, everything. And I, I really liked her having the Dexcom just so I can see it on on my phone. Uh if, if I ever get an alert at night, I can always call her if she didn't wake up. So it's just nice to be there. And I think she's doing a great job so far.
1: <laughs> That's good to hear. Well, yeah, <laughs> I did the Libre for a week. I was testing out CGMs back when I first decided to go on. What was the, the I remember the the only thing I remember with the Libre was the, the insertion and how loud it was. It sounded like a, yes. a gunshot <laughs> to me. How, how did that feel from both yeah. on your side and then Charles side, like hearing it?
0: So when I first did the Libre, I made the horrible mistake at, like, looking at the needle. So don't look at the needles the first time you're going to do it. That's my advice to everyone. And it's honestly, like, the sound is, like, so scary. And then it started bleeding, like, a little bit. And then I started freaking out that I, like, did the whole thing wrong. And I just, like, ruined my Libre. And I was going to have to try to find a new one. But um, I like the Dexcom way more. It's way more subtle, I think, for sure.
1: We are not sponsored by either of these companies. I don't want to like disparage either of them, but it's just fun. I just remember the Libre being really funny because I wasn't expecting that sound. Like I, I've yeah. been I had been dealing with needles for like you know, nineteen years at that point. So like I was okay with it. Needle was not pleasant to look at, but I dealt with it. And then I just wasn't expecting that giant sound from that little thing coming up so that i just thought that was funny and i wondered what you guys thought about it charles do you remember that specifically
2: yeah yeah oh yeah we were actually in this room right here and she she was going through the instructions really slow and um i remember looking at the needle and she looked at the needle and she goes this is the biggest thing this is the biggest needle i've ever seen and i was like it's it's not that big. It's not that big. And then she put it in, and right when she put it in, I was like, "That is the biggest needle I've ever seen." <laughs> so yeah, yeah, it was scary. Yeah, but then she was she was she did well after that, and it's really nice to have those just updates right away, and
0: mm-hmm. definitely
2: better with the Dexcom.
0: Yeah, I didn't like the Libre because the graph, like I don't know if you remember, because you only had it for a week, like. The graph is just so crazy looking like it makes you like look like you're doing like way like you're doing like way worse than you actually are because it's so like condensed like it looks like you're doing like these huge spikes I hated it it was like so mentally exhausting like the Dexcom is just so much prettier to look at
1: <laughs> There you go for anybody that's designing a new CGM <laughs> the aesthetics or the user interface is very important <laughs> and I guess that brings up another point like how have you found being able to interact with all these new things because like again like the user interaction is a very big part of these management styles and like how have you been finding these things and just information in general for an adult with type 1 that's just been newly diagnosed how has your information and researching been going and like how have you has it been easy has it been tough like is there something lacking that you can notice specifically in general like your information seeking like what has that been looking like and have you been has information been easy to find or is it hard or like specifically for adults is it do you think it's catered to someone specifically like what has it been like
0: i think like i don't know i think like devices are i feel like they're pretty straightforward like i can't think of anything that would um be i guess chat well, i mean i guess they'd all be challenging for kids to use without like the supervision of their parents but information i think is like pretty easily accessible through just like social media like I've mentioned I think if you don't have like social media I think if you're like in the older population who's being diagnosed like figuring out like what to do is probably like so hard like I could think about like my dad if he was diagnosed like he has no idea how to use like a laptop or like use the internet like I say like google and he's like how do you get there Everything that I find, I'm finding through, like, you know, like, messaging people through Instagram, messaging people through Facebook, and, like, people are just so open to talk about their experience, which I think has, like, honestly, how I found out, like, any of my information has just been, like, talking to people. Like, I didn't know. I would do, like, a whole, like, 180 about the pump just from, like, talking to people. So, I think information has kind of been really easy to gather just because, I guess like I am young enough to like know how to like navigate um, like social medias and the internet and stuff like that.
1: Charles, what about from your side, like watching her do this? Have you been doing any research on your own? Have you found resources for people that are caring for people with type one, like for people that are in the support network of a type one? What has that been looking like for you?
2: Yeah. So I found the, just like Marissa said, the the most helpful thing is uh, I feel like when you, you, you can listen to doctors but doctors aren't living with type one. So like going on social media and talking to people who are actually living through this um, and telling you what they like the best or what they eat or what they do for exercise, that kind of stuff is always, always good to hear instead of just like the, the perfect uh, solution for diabetes that doctors have. And I think what's good for me is we have another couple of friends that we just found. Um, I play hockey with them. Uh, They're, they're amazing people. The husband is type nine, she's type one. They have an amazing story. So it's it's really cool to hear from them about their experiences. Uh she they're they're a little bit older than us, but still they have like the same uh experiences and stuff. So
1: Yeah, there are definitely a lot of examples out there. And I think social me- media is definitely helping and just the internet in general is helping with like connecting people like that with similar stories so that, again, you can learn from them and hear what their experience was and relate it to where you are. I had on the first season of the show, we had a, a couple that um, she was diagnosed after they had gotten married. So she was like 24, 25. And he had actually had slightly more type one experience than she did because he grew up with somebody that had type one. And it's a really interesting dynamic to have that. Yeah. Um, and just like, because again, type one is so all encompassing, like how it affects the relationship. And it can be really eye opening. And it really helps, I think, bring people together in a way. Because again, it's something that they don't really know. And just learning about it together can really bring people together in a really unique way, I think.
0: Definitely. Yeah.
1: So, in terms of, I guess, again, it's really hard to. to ask you questions because we're in a very weird time with COVID and quarantining. Like, are there things that you are wondering about now and how your type one will affect that when you start doing? So like you said, you were very active. What were you doing before? Like, what were your activities? Like Charles said that you played hockey and like you did a sport in college. What were you doing? And then what are your, what are you thinking about once we actually can do stuff and go outside? And you know, what are you wondering about now and how your type one might affect that or if it will at all?
0: So, I yeah, so I played, like, competitive hockey in college at, like, a Division One level, so, like, I was definitely, like, really active, and then now I can't really be as active as I want, because, you know, like, parks are closed, even though they're starting to open up, so I'm definitely, like, still, like, learning the ropes when it comes to, like, exercise, especially because everybody you talk to will have a different method for exercise, exercise like a main reason why I actually want to go in the pump because I think maybe I'll just be able to control like my highs and lows a little bit better so I guess like COVID has kind of been a blessing and like a curse at the same time because because of the quarantine I've been able to really just like focus on myself and focus on the diagnosis like see what foods work for me see what foods don't like I'm able to you know wake up every morning like um on a run like doing like exercise and then have like three meals like the day. But it's also a curse because I've been learning diabetes in this kind of setting. You know what I mean? So I'm constantly thinking about as soon as everything opens up again, you know, I don't know how to eat out um, at a restaurant. I don't know what it's like to be you know, busy all day, like running here, running there. I don't know what it's like to, you know, have the stress of schoolwork. Um, really? So these are all like factors that COVID has not allowed me to like deal with. So I definitely like, like, I don't know. Cause it's like, I'm going to be living with diabetes for like two, three, four months, like in like a little bubble. And then all of a sudden that bubble's going to pop and I'm going to have so many other things i'm going to have to like honestly like relearn basically so i don't know it's going to be interesting for sure
1: (laughs) yeah as you said that it is interesting because when people generally get diagnosed the world isn't at a standstill like everything's going on the world doesn't stop spinning like when i was 12 it i remember that very distinctly my parents and i were in the middle of a move we had to move from south texas to mexico city and like that didn't change anything. My diagnosis didn't change anything. If anything, I had to learn quicker because of the we were in the middle of the move and we had to learn everything we needed to know before we left. But now in your case, the world is at a standstill and you have to and I think maybe it's slightly a luxury where that you can actually like you have some time to like focus on it and deal with it in a very slow kind of like limited environment, but at at the same time like you said, you don't have the real world experience yet and you won't be able to Experience that for you know a couple months at least. Well, who knows? Cross her fingers, kind of thing. But Charles, what is your experience watching that? And what were you think? What were you? What are the questions kind of like going through your head as she's dealing with this during this time? And as you yeah. and you're you know you're in the middle of quarantine too. It's not like because there's stressors from that, but then there's also stressors from this. Like, where are those kind of interacting for you?
2: Yeah. So there. Yeah, there are definitely pros and cons to this. I think the pros is like she is home and she can take her time doing things and really learn uh, what she needs to do to stay healthy. At the beginning, I, I tried not to get frustrated. But it was a little frustrating because like breakfast and lunch took like two hours because <laughs> she was car counting and doing all that. But she got like, I, I had to understand because it's so new to her. I, I'm I'm interested to see like, even for me, like going out to eat, how this is going to affect her just getting, Like, we we ordered Italian one night, and she got eggplant, like, and it came. It was supposed to be grilled, and it was fried. So, like, it was just, I wanted to see how, like, I was reacting, and there was more crying. (laughs) (laughs) But, no, I I think she's been doing really well. I think it's just all a learning experience that she's going to keep doing great at. But, yeah, that's how it's been for me.
1: Yeah, eggplant makes me cry, too, but I think for different reasons. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, that is, again, like, I've been doing this for 20 years and so like going to a restaurant isn't that stressful. Like I I can figure it out. I don't even really count carbs. I just look at a plate and it's like, oh, that looks like a a 10 unit or like a five unit kind of thing. But for you, you don't have these very ingrained experience. And also like you're going at it from a very specific like math because the doctors told you that's how you're doing it and that's how you know to do it. And again, so like quarantine is both helpful and a hindrance because it doesn't give you those chances to do real world Experiences. The only thing I can suggest is just like you know, keep doing it. You'll figure it out. Like it's definitely not something that we learn all in a week or two weeks. Um, like I said, I've been doing this for twenty years, and I'm still learning things. And like, type one changes with you, so it's not going to be like this forever. Just being able to roll with the punches and being able to kind of like adapt. Um, it, which sounds like you're doing very well, because obviously this is a very, very stressful time to be doing all this and so like that's really cool that you're doing this and even coming on the show like i've had you're the the diababiest of all my guests um (laughs) and and that's i was actually really impressed that you decided to come on so thank you for doing that and sharing this because i think this is
0: exciting (laughs) yeah
1: this is something that i think people should hear you know the world has stopped but type one doesn't stop there are probably thousands of people that are being diagnosed in these last couple months and they're like you trying to figure this out in a very weird time that we're all experiencing So I guess that kind of leads me to my next question is like, so you've been, you've been in quarantine, you've been hearing all these like things about quarantine and COVID and how like, I don't know if maybe you've heard this, like how the immunocompromised population is like slightly more at risk than your average person. Have you had any concerns or anxieties revolving around COVID and your type one?
0: So I heard that. And at first, like I was like really worried. I've done like a little bit like more research there was like another um, like podcast or video or something that I watched. It was he talked about how like if your numbers are like out of control, then you're more at likely to be at risk of ha- of um, getting COVID or something like that. But if not if you have type one, does it make you more at risk? I don't know if that's true or not. I don't really know, but I haven't really been too worried. I go out just to get like my foods, like my fruits and my vegetables. But I haven't really been putting myself in, like, harm's way that I'm, like, really, like, too worried about the combination of COVID and type 1.
1: Yeah, that's good to hear. Because, again, I would imagine that if I were you being, like, you know, 21, 25 and being diagnosed in COVID, I would be probably freaked out. I'm not really great with anxiety or stress. But I, I actually had a doctor on who has type 1, and she's, like, working in the in the field, obviously, during this time. And she said kind of – she kind of mirrored what you're saying that – you know, our, our immune systems are compromised most when our sugars are kind of like up and down those like weird spikes. And so if you're high for a long time, your immune system is doing extra work that it doesn't have to, or at slightly at risk, but also not at risk, depending on where your numbers are at. So it's kind of like a, it depends sort of answer. A lot of the answers I've found with type one are, well, it depends, but it's, yeah, that's a great attitude to have. As long as you're taking care of yourself, you should be fine. And again, quarantining and taking all the precautions and generally leading a healthier lifestyle will make sure that you stay healthy no matter what, even if you have type one or not.
0: Exactly. Yeah, definitely.
1: And then Charles, did you have any concerns with that? There's a lot of, I don't know, I don't want to say misinformation going out there, but there's a lot of information being thrown out to people, especially on the news. And like, it's gotten better over the t- course, like we're three months in now. Um. But yeah. towards that beginning, did you have any concerns with uh, her new diagnosis and COVID being out there?
2: I mean, there's always like that, that thought in the back of your mind where like she's more high risk than other people like for me but then you 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 just hear so much information on the news and you just don't know i guess how to think about how this is affecting people because it it's just affecting so many different people you you don't know who it's going to affect i guess
0: Yeah, like, because we started out on a, like, high-risk list, and then they, like, took us off, and then, like, but then you still hear, like, you know, people posting about, like, how they're angry we're off that list, but then you also hear the science behind it about how, no, like, if you have, like, good control of your numbers, uh, if it's in a tight range, like, you're fine. So, there's just, like, so many different, like, opinions, I feel like, on it Mm -hmm. that it's kind of hard to have an opinion sometimes (laughs) because you're just kind of stuck in the middle of, like, all these different thoughts, like, being thrown at you. Yeah.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I remember towards the beginning, I wasn't sure I was contemplating staying home from work. So like working from home or asking to be allowed to do that. Eventually, my company just decided to let to make everybody work from home. So I didn't really have to do anything about that. But I was starting to like talk to HR and my supervisor. And because I was concerned, because again, there's all these different kinds of information, and I wasn't sure who to listen to specifically. So just to kind of, you know, be safer rather than sorry, like just staying home seemed like a good thing to do eventually everybody's going to do that so it didn't really matter at the end but yeah in these kinds of times it is nice to have like a very reliable source of information so like and again i think that's like the medical community it's something that they could probably do better at just like having having these kinds of like scenarios thought out beforehand instead of just trying to like figure it out as they're going during these times and again i think the consensus now is at least as as long as you kind of keep your numbers in a healthy range like you can pretty pretty well avoid this um for the time being and that's the i had an episode like it was a mini episode on the show with a doctor and she basically said all that and like try to stay healthy like you know keep active as much as you can um you know eat healthier like you said which are just great tips in general like it's Mm -hmm. good you know being healthier will probably result in you actually being healthier so Yeah, just good general life tips, I guess.
0: Yeah, it's actually like funny because I've I've said it a few times that it took me to like be diagnosed with diabetes to like, actually feel healthy, which is such a weird concept, I think. But I don't know, I just like feel healthier since I've gotten diagnosed because like I'm eating right. I'm being mindful of like, you know, making sure like I'm getting, you know, even if it's like a little bit of exercise every day, like, but I'm doing that. It's like a weird thought. Maybe it'll change once I go to college and I'm not like portioning my meals every day. But sure. as of right now, that's just the way I've kind of been looking yeah. at it.
2: Yeah. And I, I kind of feel that way, too, because I was with her for like the first two weeks that she started eating healthy. So everything she ate, I was eating. So it was like we I would eat healthy and now I've just kept eating healthy. And I realized that you can make really healthy things with good ingredients. You don't have to use <laughs> A stick of butter and fry everything and yeah it's, yeah it's been really nice even for her family too like we've all been eating
0: healthy
1: <laughs> yeah it's weird how healthy food makes you feel better
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who would have thought who would have thought who would have have <laughs> it
1: yeah and how has your family been dealing with this so like where were they when you were being diagnosed I know you two were together but how have they been adjusting to it like how did you tell them was it on a like a family Zoom call or um like I'm, I'm picturing like you know how everybody's doing like zoom weddings and zoom like like gender reveals like has that been the case for you like was it a big reveal party for you like how did <laughs> how has been introducing your family to this very unique condition during this very unique time been
0: So um I still live with my mom and dad here when I'm home from college For my mom it's definitely been like tough because you know she's a mom so she was obviously is was really upset about my diagnosis but she works in the healthcare field so she's been able to kind of like understand it a little bit better um than my like dad who's not in the healthcare field but honestly like i i really do have like such a great support system they're always you know like we're always like cooking like meals every day together now they're always you know asking me how i'm doing but also knowing when i don't want to be asked how i'm doing because, yeah, I like to talk about my diabetes because I'm still new to it, but I don't want my whole world to be centered around diabetes. <laughs> and they're really, really good at that, both of them. My dad was inside while I got my call outside. So he was there when I found out. I could see, like, little tears in his eyes. Yeah. Um, it was really sad. But he's he's been awesome, like, really, really supportive. And I just phone called my mom while she was at work. So, no, uh big reveal party but <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, what about your friends have you told anybody outside of your immediate family like has it been what, what was that? oh no what was that like
0: um so COVID has definitely impacted my ability I think to accept the fact that I'm a diabetic because I don't have to see anyone which means no one has to know that I'm a diabetic so my mom and my dad know I'm a diabetic my brother Charlie does and then two of my friends know and the only reason they know is because they threw me like a little surprise party just the three of us for my graduation and they got me Angry Orchard cider and I saw them and I like lifted my t-shirt up and I showed my Dexcom and I was like so like I'm a diabetic and I don't really want to drink the Angry Orchard <laughs> so that's the only reason they found out otherwise I wasn't really gonna say anything it's like kind of a main reason why I made my my Instagram because I didn't really like, it's not something I feel like I can text my friends and be like, Hey, just so you know, like, I'm a diabetic, like, it just seems like something that should come up like organically. So like, my Instagram has just kind of been my way of talking about my diagnosis, even though it's not like my friends. But I don't know. I haven't really told anyone yet. But I know I'm I'm gonna have to (laughs) eventually.
1: Yeah, it is. Again, it's a very weird time to have this Mm -hmm. going on and like you said it is something that probably feels better as a face-to-face conversation more Mm -hmm. so than like over the text Charles how have you been doing with this and I guess have you been telling people about it like you opened up to that one couple you said but how has that affected your kind of relationship with the people that you know that you both know too
2: well the the funniest one is my my uh one of my best friends from around me actually owns a candy store (laughs) <laughs> so that's that's that was a little funny when I told him Marissa was with me I we I went in so I ordered candy from him before she got diagnosed and then we, we she came to visit me and I went to pick it up with her and Tyler was like oh here's your candy and she's like uh I'm a diabetic so he's
0: the one that he, he said like sorry you got the BDs and I just thought yeah, that's funny
2: <laughs> Yeah, but no I, I don't think it's really been affecting I haven't really told anyone besides him and one of my other friends so it's like i think for marissa i think when she gets back to college it's going to be like with her roommates and stuff just sitting down with them and telling them uh, everything and what they need to know and if she goes into a low and what they need to do and all that stuff so it'll be good then
1: yeah it'll be like yeah like i said it'll be slightly easier to do it in person yeah and let them are you looking forward to that or like is there any apprehension there like Cause I know specifically, so like, like I said, I was in the middle of a move. So like, I literally didn't have to tell anybody that I had type one and I didn't. And like, I actually kept it to myself for a very long time and it's not something that I suggest, but what, since you have this kind of, you know, buffer zone where you're kind of on your own in this, in quarantine and your friends are kind of out of that bubble, like you said, like, how are you, are you looking forward to being able to tell them like, what is your kind of game plan for that? Or like, do you feel the need to do that?
0: So I'm I think I'm a little bit nervous only because I feel like there's like this misconception at least like with a few of the adults that I've been around with like my mom when she's like told them is that a lot of people think you can get a handle on being a diabetic just by like having like a good diet, which I think is like one of the most annoying things to hear. But you can't be mad at those kind of people because if you don't know what it is like you don't know what it is and like all we can do really is just educate But I am, like, a little bit nervous because my age group, I don't think there's, like, a lot of knowledge around, like, what being a type 1 diabetic is. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of nervous, like, if I go back in the fall and I, you know, tell them, like, by the way, like, I've been a diabetic for, you know, five, six months, that they're just going to, like, expect me to know what I'm doing. I don't know if that, like, makes sense, but, like, I'm expecting that for a few years, like, I'm still going to be, like, maybe my entire life, like, I'm still going to be learning, like, constantly and I don't know. I just I think it's hard when people like don't understand what diabetes is and they just expect it to be diet based. But there's like so many different variables. So I'm curious as to see, um, you know, if like my group of friends are going to be able to like easily understand what what it is or if they're going to be willing to learn. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah, that definitely is a concern. And that's kind of what I try to do with this show is kind of introduce type nuns to this world this community that we have that's kind of built in but is hard to approach from the outside because again it's a very experience based condition like it, we know what it feels like so it's a lot easier for us to talk about and but and explaining those feelings basically and it's hard and it makes it harder for them to get it and to really comprehend the man the magnitude of it so like they can very easily de- uh i guess diminish it or make it seem like it's not that big of a deal when yeah. for us like you know you're going through this for just two months and you can it sounds like you realize that it is a pretty big deal and it's going to be and it obviously it's going to affect you for the rest of your life uh so yeah that is interesting but again i think just being you're very open with answering your questions and again i think it, Being honest with them and yourself like if you don't know something you don't know it and that's just like an opportunity to learn something new I think for me the longest time I didn't like Answering questions because again, I was so avoidant of my condition that I tried not to learn If I didn't have to learn it. I didn't so I was I knew just the bare bones I took care of myself. I didn't like not take shots or anything like that But I just did the bare minimum and I remember at one point I was 10 years in and I was telling this person that I had to because she was my supervisor and she asked, like, oh, how long have you had it? It's like, oh, 10 years about. And she's like, oh, okay, so you know this. Like, you got it. And that yeah. was at the point where I was like, oh, God, like, actually don't. Like, I, I'm kind of, like, flying by the seat of my pants. Like, very, very much, like, walking around blind yeah. with this. And it felt me – it made me feel kind of bad because, like, I've had this for 10 years. I should probably have a better handle on this. And eventually, you know, I learned. And now I know that it's something that you're learning constantly. But, like, you can figure it out for yourself. But it just takes time and patience.
0: Yeah, and, like, I feel like – and, like, it's just – it's such an experience, like, disease. Like, I, I don't know. Like, one day you can eat one thing, and then the next day it does something completely different. And I there's no really, like, rule book for this, which I wish there was, because I'm, I am one of those people where, like, if I don't know something, like, I need to figure it out. I don't like when things aren't working the way I want them to, which um, – it's kind of a good thing and a bad thing as a diabetic because nothing's ever going 100% the way you want it to but yeah I don't know I but I, I do like um, like talking to Charlie and like talking to like my mom about like I like when people are willing to learn so I'm hoping my friends will be the same
1: I'm sure they will be yeah <laughs> it, it always ended up being a lot easier. Then I thought it would be for me. Like I built it up a lot in my head and I kept it to myself for a very long time. So I think that didn't help obviously. So the few times that I did end up like telling people, I expected them to like get, have a really big, huge reaction. And a lot of them were like very, it was very underwhelming for them. It was like, yeah, okay. Kind of thing. And it, it just made me feel dumb for like feeling like I needed to hide it when I really didn't. And again, they didn't understand it. So like they didn't really know what it meant to have type one. So yeah. So I would highly suggest being open with it as much as you can be and just acknowledging that, you know, it's not going to be perfect and you're still figuring it out so you don't have to know everything right away.
0: Good advice.
1: (laughs) So do you guys have any questions for me? Like, again, I've had it for 20 years, but I'm not perfect, but I think I could give you some advice or answers if you'd like or if anything is like just burning questions that you have.
0: Honestly, a lot of my questions, I had like, a whole list here to be, like, answered, like, throughout. Like, one of my main things was honestly, like, telling people because just, like, for example, like, when I went over to, like, their house and I just happened to have admitted that I was a diabetic, but I wasn't planning on it. So, like, I just wanted to know, like, your thought on that. And so, obviously, we answered that. And then eating out at restaurants, like, we kind of covered that, too. But I don't know. We kind of answered a lot. <laughs>
1: eating out at restaurants again it's very you know situation specific um you can definitely there's definitely like go-tos that i if i don't want to have like a huge carb heavy meal i'll go for like salads those are Mm -hmm. pretty easy to bolus for for me at least fast food chains are actually really nice Uh, ironically they're not they're clearly not the healthiest option but they do have very detailed nutritional information so those carb counts are pretty right on and i notice whenever i use those like i I nailed, I nailed the landing pretty well, but it's like fast food. So like, I don't want to do that all the time. Um, So like chain restaurants have nutritional information that you can look up ahead of time. So like bigger name restaurants. So you can definitely use that information. I've, I started using that in the last few years and it's helped a lot in terms of bolusing and all that. Yeah. And again, it's just, you have to figure it out as you go and be prepared for those like unexpected spikes or lows, depending on what happens. And don't be afraid to ask questions of like the staff, because again, like I I know a lot of type ones who are very like specific with their orders and they like they're they give the very big complicated orders. But again, it's like it's it's a health reason. So I've I've never been really comfortable doing that. So like I just kind of go with the orders and make them as customized as I feel I'm comfortable with doing. But yeah, so like you can definitely it's your you're paying for the food. So you should get what you ask for kind of thing and being okay with making those requests of people
0: yeah definitely just like because i feel like that's i'm going to be like the person that has like the really descriptive order (laughs) (laughs) like the first time um we like ordered out we got like um uh, what did we get oh chick-fil-a and it was literally a salad it was just the market salad but i had to be so extra given this was like two weeks into maybe three weeks into me being diagnosed but I literally asked for everything on the side in the cup like I asked for the blueberries in one cup the apples in another cup the granola in another cup just so I could measure it all out and I was like at that point I could have just made my own salad but whatever but I'm getting better at that like I had chipotle the other night. <laughs> oh, chipotle
1: is so good. I go there way too much. Oddly enough more so in quarantine than at the, any other time in my life.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's like the two friends that know. Like, they're like they go to school like every day. So I was like, all right, I'll hop in there.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, Charles, do you have any questions that have come up, or any interesting? Or Marissa, have you gotten any interesting questions since you've been diagnosed that you thought were like, I don't know, particularly like stand out to you?
0: No, honestly, because I don't really know a lot of type nuns that know I'm a type one. I guess like. just like the major thing, like, like I mentioned, um, when there was like the one adult that we were talking to, um, just really, it was, it was just really surprising because she had, she, she had asked, you know, when I wouldn't have to wear my Dexcom anymore and when I wouldn't have to inject myself anymore. And I was like, oh no, like, this is like a lifelong thing. And that was just such a shock. Like she had like no idea. And then when I explained, yeah, so like, says to like count my like carbs and everything and she just assumed it was like a diet thing but sometimes you just you just don't need to explain it but I haven't really gotten any like crazy questions yet just because no one really knows
2: (laughs) yeah
1: have you both had any like similar questions given that you were introduced to it at the basically the same time like what was your have any questions come up that you both had and were able to find like comfortable answers that you liked
2: yeah, I didn't really have questions because Marissa is the only type one I know, <laughs> so it's like anytime she was confused, I was confused, and we would just figure out the answer together. Or if uh, I had a question, I would just text her, and she would let me know because she had to understood it more than I did.
0: I think like our like biggest questions like definitely were surrounding like the pump because yeah. I start because like when I started off like I was saying like I wanted nothing to do with the pump. And I think we both just did like a lot of like research on that, like the benefits. And there are some people that, you know, don't go on the pump for years like you did or like don't go on a CGM for years. And like, that's really awesome for them. And that's the way I started out. And I have literally quickly figured out that, you know, I can't do that. But I think just a lot of our questions were surrounding just like the devices that diabetics now have um, at their fingertips, which is awesome.
1: Yeah, this is a very interesting time to be diagnosed in because of all the technology that's available. Like now I'm seeing like children and newly diagnosed people being put onto these systems, like months after their diagnosis. And it took me literally a decade to even think about a pump, and then another nine years to get on the CGM. But yeah, it is. It's interesting to hear you guys talk about it. Again, you were diagnosed two months ago, and you're already on a CGM. Um, Yeah, so that's really cool. And I Again, the management styles are very different and they can vary greatly. I know people that are still on syringes, like actual, like, you know,
0: yeah,
1: pens and needles, not even pens, just like the syringes and vials. And they just walk around with them all the time. And it's, you know, there's just, there's a way to fit this in, fit your management style to your life. And for them it works. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's some, it's important for people to know that I think.
0: Yeah, I yeah. think like, so my grandmom was actually a type one diabetic. Um, But, you know, she did everything, like, old school, like, the syringes, like, you know, like, she didn't have a CGM. That was, like, you know, years ago. Um, So I didn't really, I was too young, really, to understand anything that she was going through. But now that I look at, and I think back to how she lived her life as a diabetic, and I'm comparing it to my own, like, I realized that technology has, like, honestly, like, just, like, science has made, like, such, like, a huge, like, impact, like, I don't know, just like knowing like what carbs do to your blood sugars, like she'd eat like hamburger rolls, like they were like nothing. And I don't want to eat hamburger rolls, like they're nothing. Like, I don't know, like, I just think there's so much to, like, to learn. And I told when I told my grandpa about when I was it, that I was a diabetic, you know, for him, he thought like, when I, I showed him my number, and I was at 100. And he was like, Oh, like, that's really low. Like, you, you got to treat that you got to treat that. And like, it's not really low. But I guess for him and what he remembers back then and the information they had, it's just like all different. So it's crazy to see how much like is evolving and how much is going to be like evolving like over like the next years and decades. So it's exciting to like kind of like think about it.
1: Yeah, definitely. That's funny. A hundred is low. Yeah, because (laughs) because probably for them it was like they probably had to sit a little bit higher just because they didn't know what their numbers were all the time like we do. Um, Yeah, exactly. Do you know what hundreds are called? In the type 1 world? Unicorns. You know why? I loved learning that.
0: Is it just because... Okay, so I actually posted something on my story once when I had like three followers. And I was like, what does this mean? And obviously no one answered because I had three followers. But is it just because it's like a rare number or...
1: So there's that. So yeah, so unicorns are, you know, mythologically difficult to catch and very rare to see. Mm -hmm. But I also... Somebody told me, I don't know if this is true or not, but I thought it was really funny. So like 100, if you it looks like a unicorn. So like the one is the horn and then the two zeros are the body. So oh. it's kind oh. of, I thought that was really hilarious because <laughs> I, I, more. <laughs> I like, I personally lo- love unicorns like as a thing, just like, you know, learning about yeah. them. And then when I learned that they actually have a meaning within our community, that there's like, Oh wow, that's really yeah. coincidental that's and really funny. Cool. Uh, but yeah, yeah, but they do. So like hundreds are again, rare, but also they look like unicorns slightly.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Now I know.
1: Yeah. <laughs> You learned one I tried, thing. I like yeah.
0: googling it and like nothing was coming up. I was like, just tell me what this means.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. There's yeah. We have our own lingo, and you'll definitely learn it as you go. Um, mm-hmm. How is it took that? Took
0: me forever to figure out bolus. I was like, what is a bolus? And then I was like, oh, it's just giving yourself an injection. Okay, okay. Yeah,
1: yeah. There's a lot of medical terminology and basil. Like I remember yeah. learning hearing the word basil a lot. And wondering if they were talk like why are they talking about this herb like it's it tastes good it's fine <laughs> but like you know it's, <laughs> it's definitely there's a lot of yeah there's a lot of lingo to learn especially sure. in the first few months and then how has that been going like how is your introduction to the what what made you like uh, want to sign up for Instagram or like look out for type one accounts
0: so just kind of like what I was saying like I wasn't telling anybody so like that was kind of my way of like expressing um, my experience and talking about my experience without needing it to like be my friends I could just kind of just say and post whatever I wanted which I kind of liked it was kind of like a judgment free zone in a way and I just am constantly trying to find like new accounts just because there are like so many different ways to do things and I like learning all of them and just because everyone is like I was saying like it's just they just want to help like you can like DM anybody and like there's some like they'll, they'll have like thousands of thousands of followers and I'll say a question thinking I'm not going to get a response and they're sending me like voice memos back. Like they're just so helpful and I just really liked that which was like a huge reason why I created that account just just easy access to people and um, their experiences.
1: And have you been following the type one social media, Charles, like taking a look at it or like noticing any differences from Marissa? Like, I, I guess she found out very quickly and then found social media. But like, did you notice anything in the interim where like she didn't have type or didn't have social media to look on? And like, is there a difference afterwards?
2: Yeah, I think it's really good for her just to be on Instagram and stuff and see. I mean, she's done like workouts that like so the diabetic like, influencers do and She's been sending them to me, and she's been sending me emails, and I think I think that's, like, the best outlet for her. She's always been, like, a good writer, and, like, so she wanted to get into, like, blogging and blogging and that kind of stuff. So I think it's been really good for her to do that.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I've never been very good at blogging just because I – it's like journaling, and I got bored with it, and it's hard to keep up. But, yeah, there's a lot of, like, blogs out there, a lot of really famous ones, too, that have been going on for, like, a decade plus. Yeah there's vlogs on YouTube. Yeah. There's a lot of so- social media has its like drawbacks, but it also can be very helpful, especially for yeah. people like in your situation that don't have a lot of really can't go outside and like meet people. So having yeah. that connection, even though it's virtual can really be helpful.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, I know like a lot of people like do like the meetups and stuff, which I think is pretty cool. Like I've noticed like through like Facebook groups, like they're like, like I've gone back on like posts and I see that like they meet up and obviously I can't do that. So just like little like group chats and stuff is like fun so
1: yeah there's even a type 1 camp for adults like you
0: yes I know I wanted I <laughs> wanted to go to one this summer like so bad because I was like oh like you can like meet so many people and like just like I don't know it's just like you can like relate to people when you when you're like surrounded by the same people going to do the same thing that you are so I was like so sad and then I found out about the one camp and I didn't know you I think you did a you were a speaker last night
1: oh right? yeah yeah that was me yeah. yeah
0: and i didn't know that until i saw your name and i was like oh i should have done that one because then i would have would have been like a nice icebreaker but yes yeah, so then i did the, the online camp which is just so cool because like you're really like you're just like the best way to learn is just hearing like millions of different experiences so
1: which workshop or session did you do the
0: i did um lisey's
1: the like diagnosed as an adult one
0: yeah the adult one yeah
1: yeah that one looked really interesting i I was obviously presenting, so I couldn't go to that. And it doesn't really apply to me at all because I was diagnosed 20 years ago. But what was that like? What did you think about it? Like, how did you, like, leave feeling about it?
0: So I'm, like, a huge fan of her, like, Instagram. Like, she's probably one of the biggest influences for me. Like, I went from, like, trying not to go above, like, five carbs a meal to, like, understanding that, hey, it's okay to have chicken fingers.
1: One Oreo is, like, five carbs. So Yeah, I know. <laughs>
0: like I was like eating like salads with like a two pieces of pepper so like when I saw that she was doing something I like wanted to like go to that one and it was just a bunch of adults like sharing like their diagnosis stories different like di- diagnoses that they have like alongside of type one and it, I don't know it's just like really cool to also like compare my story to other people and just like see like what we have in common and, and you know a lot of people were like so surprised because we wrote in how many um years or months that we were diagnosed and like so many people were like so surprised that i was there with only like two months so they were like they were like that's so cool that you like want to take initiative and i was like oh thanks guys
1: (laughs) yeah that is i was gonna suggest you sign up for it but it's i'm glad you already found it so that's great yeah i've been to a couple like actual like real life slipstreams, and they're really fun they happen all over the country i went to the one in maine a couple years ago i went to the one in southern california last year and they're really just a lot of fun and it it's a really i don't know if you'd feel this way just because you're so new to it but it is a really weird way to feel normal for a weekend because everybody has type one so like you're surrounded by it so much that it becomes kind of like even easier to forget about and nobody has nobody's asking you like why are you doing that like what's that it's a very cool environment to be in and just kind of like have a vacation uh from your type one so i highly suggest once we you know can go outside to go for to a in-person one it's yeah, I very totally different like, from the yeah. virtual ones but yeah
0: yeah
1: <laughs> all right those were all my questions you guys have anything you'd like to say or any other questions you'd want to go over we before yeah
2: yeah
1: uh any final thoughts before we go
0: no honestly just like thank you for like reaching out i was really surprised but i was excited you know to like talk about like my story and charlie to tell um his side of things yeah. I got a little insight into what he's been thinking.
2: <laughs> I'm super proud of her.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's really awesome what you guys are doing and it's really, yeah, like initiative like they were saying in the group. Like it it does take a lot to put yourself out there especially in something that you don't know anything about and could very easily just kind of ignore, especially in this time cuz like there's not a whole lot of things to do. <laughs> so you could definitely yeah. be have a very different attitude about it. So I think this is a really great thing that you're doing and you're taking very great steps to like make sure that you stay healthy and keep healthy um, for as long as we have to have this. So that's very cool. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Uh, So we're going to pretend to say goodbye so we don't have to go just yet. Um, So I'm (laughs) just going to say goodbye and then I'll stop recording and then let you know next steps. Okay. Okay. (laughs) All right. Thank you both for sitting with me and uh, telling me your story. Thanks for joining me. Bye.
0: Bye. Thank you.